got lost for a second there. Um, thank you, Phyllis. It's good for us to be reminded again of the where true strength actually lies, uh, especially in light of this Olympic time. And I got to admit, I love the Olympics as much as I think the IOC is probably a horrible organization that is bent on destroying the world. Um, I, I can't help but uh, love the Olympics. Um, and uh, But the, the Olympic motto is, is faster, higher, stronger. Uh, and we get caught up as human beings in things that are faster, higher, and stronger and think that that's where our, uh, our safety and our security is going to lie. But in reality, it's in, in the Lord. So it's good to be reminded of that. We're still in the series on wisdom. And, um, and what we're talking about today about uh, words as we talk about wisdom. And this is something that uh, I care very deeply about. I love words. Uh, and uh, in all honesty, that's how I make a living, is being able to communicate with words, ideas, and to condense them into ways that are pleasant to hear and hopefully uh, help change people's lives. And, 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 and how uh, what I do for a living depends on my ability to communicate. But um, all, so, so I love them. But all of us are required to use words, whether we like it or not. This is the way that we interact as human beings. It's one of the things that we believe that that separates us from other animals is we have a more sophisticated level of communication. Obviously, animals communicate with each other. I'm not, but I, it's not in quite the same way. Um, uh, and and be, because we're all forced to use words, we're all forced to reckon with the idea that words are incredibly powerful tools that can, that can build and they can destroy and they can protect and they can attack and words can free and words can enslave. And, and all of us use these tools. We don't have the option about whether or not we're going to use these dangerous tools. Like I don't have to use a welding machine. That's a dangerous tool. And I'm just like, that's too dangerous for me to use. I'm not sophisticated enough to use that. I'm going to, I'm going to leave that for people who know how to weld, you know, but all of us are forced to communicate with each other. And especially uh, as we enter into this age of social media where we're all like publishing our opinions on everything all the time, it becomes more and more incumbent on us to, to think clearly and well about how we're going to use our words. Because um, words are not just reserved for people like me and people who do uh, my job, but for all of us. All of us have been given this gift. And while some people have a gift with words, they live in the, in the deep end of the words pool. All of us are required to swim there. And, and, and we understand that there are words that, that are healing and words that, that are freeing. And we understand that there are words that are problematic. And, and, and it's not just offensive words. I want to be really clear as I'm talking about wisdom uh, with words here. I don't like the term good words and bad words. That's not a thing that we use with our family. Uh, I think it's much more healthy and much more helpful to think in terms of appropriate words and inappropriate words. Uh, there are no bad words. There are words that are inappropriate. And, and sometimes words that we could consider bad are, are in some cases very appropriate. And then there's some words that are always inappropriate, you know, except to point out the historical value of how words were used. And, and I'm thinking of words in my head that would be very impolite for me to say. But you can understand what I'm thinking. It's not uh, the distinction that I don't want to make a distinction between good words and bad words. I think it's much more helpful and wise for us to think of like, is this word a good word to use in this situation 
Or is this word uh, an, an improper word to use in this situation? And the Bible has a great deal of wisdom to offer us in terms of how to use words well. And in, and in fact, this is part of the requirement because our task that we've been given as a church is to do this, to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. This requires us to use words. Obviously, there are other ways to teach other than words. We teach by example. We teach by the way that we live our lives. However, it requires us to use words. And this is why I kind of dislike that famous quote that gets bandied about willy-nilly that preach the gospel always when necessary use words. People say that Francis of Assisi said it. St. Francis did not say that. It's, it's a fine quote, but it's limiting because the re- reality is words and deeds are required in all of the actions that, w- that we undertake. And, uh, and, and if we're going to do what God has called us to do, it's incumbent on us to think long and hard about how to use words well. So, first thing that we're going to talk about is how to get right, how to get, how to get wise words, which is probably a grammatically incorrect sentence, but that's what we're going to talk about today, is how can we, as followers of Jesus and people who care about serving him and, and being discipled by him, how do we get wise words? And the first one is listen to the right words, okay? And, oh, that's a slide that I forgot to take out. Sorry about that. Okay, so we're, first thing we're going to do is we're going to listen to the right words. Um, and, and this is repeated multiple times uh, throughout the Bible, but this, here's a couple of examples of Proverbs. Wisdom will save you from the ways of wicked men, men whose words are perverse, who have left the straight paths to walk in dark ways, who delight in doing wrong and rejoice in the perverseness of evil, whose paths are crooked and who are devious in their ways. Wisdom will also save you from the adulterous woman, from the wayward woman with her seductive words. So we see that words are a tool used, uh, used by, by wayward people, wicked people for lack of a better term, uh, to, to lure us astray. Words become one of the tools that, that lead us astray. So we need to not take in um, false words, but we need to take in right and proper words. This is how, uh, how God put it to his people in the law in Deuteronomy. And I'm sorry that the font's t- so small, but I wanted to get it on one slide. So be careful or you will be enticed to, uh, to turn away and to worship other gods and bow down to them. Then the Lord's anger will burn against you and he will shut, up, shut the heavens so that it will not rain and the ground will yield no produce and you will soon perish from the good land the Lord is giving you. Fix these words of mine in your hearts and minds. Now this is really important for me because uh, I think this, is, this talks about the human situation, not just about the, for the people of Israel. But it says, be careful or you will be enticed to turn away and worship other gods and bow down to them. Be careful where your mind and your heart is at because you're going to get yanked away to think that, that, that your satisfaction and your happiness and your identity is found in things that the world can give you, like a larger paycheck or, or affirmation or, or a fancier promotion. None of those things will provide for you what you're the, or fill the hole that is inside you. You're going to be enticed to turn away and, and, and worship other gods. But the opposition to that, the antidote for that, is to fix the words of the Lord in your hearts and minds. Tie them as symbols on your hands. Bind them on your foreheads. Teach them to your children. 
talking about them when you sit at home and when you walk, walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up, write them on the door frames of your houses and your gates so that your days and the days of your children may be many in the land that the Lord swore to give to your ancestors, as many as the days that the heavens are above the earth. Okay, so I don't think that this is literal, okay? The, the Pharisees, and, and even today in, in some Jewish congregations, people will like have words of the Torah on a scroll, put into a box, and then they will tie that around their head, tie that around their wrists. I don't think that that's a bad thing to do, but I th- do think it's an impractical thing to do. Okay, we're being poetic here, and, it, and you know, and I'm not expecting everyone to go look up on Pinterest when we leave here how to write the the words of the Lord and the door frames of your houses. Although that might be a thing that you're interest interested in doing if you're into that, but. What it does talk about is like make sure that the words of truth are so deeply ingrained into you that you're going to be able to tell the difference when you hear lies. Have these things so deep in your heart so that when you hear nonsense, you're going to be like, that doesn't make any sense to me. That, That doesn't fit with what I know to be true, okay? So when you listen to right and proper words, uh, you find yourself not chasing things that don't, don't matter. You find yourself not getting distracted. And you find that when people just push nonsense into your face, it doesn't sit well and it recognizes, uh, and you recognize it as nonsense, okay? At a really basic level. When someone tells you that, that this could get me in trouble, when someone tells you that Rachel Notley is responsible for low oil prices, right? The part of, there's a part of your brain that goes like, that's dumb. Like, it, which it is, sorry. Uh, it just is. Um, I don't ha- you don't have to like agree with her political policies, but she's not in charge of oil prices. <laughs> um, um, but there's a part of so so you find yourself disregarding nonsense. Um, I had I had someone who was uh, concerned one time about that I wasn't spending enough time uh, teaching about the false doctrines that exist in the world. Um, be because I and they they were concerned that I wasn't preparing people well enough and it's and and I don't I do that intentionally because one trying to preach against false doctrines and false ideas is like playing whack-a-mole you just don't have enough time and effort to do it my solution to that is to teach truth and to try and get truth ingrained so deeply in us that when that 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 lies don't have any room to take root because we do have truth in things that we say. And, and, and the words of God remind us that we have been created. We're not here by accident. And we've been created for a purpose and with purpose. We've been created intentionally. And that the purpose that we have is for good life, eternal life, for us and for the whole world. And that we have an identity that is sealed not in what we've done or the choices that we make, but our identity is sealed in the person of Jesus and the work of, that he has done for us. And that our future is held by a God who loves us deeply and is secured, so we need not be afraid. We need not, uh, we need not be concerned as we go into the future, and we can ignore other lies because we know how deeply the truth of God, who God is and what he has given us is ingrained in us, okay? So the first thing that we're going to do to get wise words is to listen to the right words. When someone says to you, that is, when the advertisers try to tell you that your identity is sealed and what you purchase, ignore it. It's a lie. They're just trying to get more money out of your pocket. Your identity is sealed in, in, in Jesus and what he has done for you. Okay? 
Second thing that we're going to do to get wise words is, and I am very convicted by this, so I am aware that there's a contradiction in what I am saying. But the thing that we're going to do, that, that we ought to do to, to get to wise words is to use less words. This is repeated over and over and over and over again in the wisdom literature of the Old Testament and into the New Testament. Sin is not ended by multiplying words, but the prudent hold their tongues, from Proverbs 10. The one who has knowledge uses words with restraint, and whoever has understanding is even-tempered, from Proverbs 17. Do not speak to fools, from Proverbs 23, for they will scorn your prudent words. Okay? And this is from Ecclesiastes 5. Do not be quick with your mouth. Do not be hasty in your heart to utter anything before God. God is in heaven and you are on earth, so let your words be few. This is incredibly important that we grasp in our hearts and our minds that the more that we say, the more likely we are to say something dumb. The more that we say, the more likely we are to say something damaging and hurtful. And and I... I'm aware that I am a person who talks a lot, okay? And, but I think that this is still a, an incredibly important thing for me to recognize as well, is that we need to be judicious in the use of our words. Ecclesiastes 5 says l- later on that, that a dream comes uh, when there are many cares and many words mark the, the speech of a fool. And in my younger days... I was more foolish than I am now. Uh, perhaps uh, I'm not saying I'm completely not foolish, but there was a time when I saw, if I saw someone that had a wrong idea or if I saw that there was somebody who disagreed with me, I felt that I had to correct everything that I saw that was wrong in the moment. I had to like, I had to, I was right and they were wrong and my rightness was affected by their wrong statement. So I had to beat that wrong statement down with my own words. I had to fight everyone who disagreed with me. And, 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 and one, it doesn't work, first of all. Nobody is, is mind is changed by that. But two, it's also exhausting. It's a really frustrating way to live your life. So when we find ourselves, we find ourselves in a place where God is instructing us repeatedly Use fewer words. Be careful in how you speak. And don't be afraid to not say anything. And to me, the use of less words, being willing to remain silent, indicates a couple of things. That, that it, it, it indicates, first, humility. If you're, if you're comfortable not... I, when I was trying to correct every wrong statement that, that was out there in the world, I was doing so because I was prideful. I, I was like, well, I'm way smarter than that person, therefore I need to prove how much smarter I am than them by this avalanche of words that I'm going to pour out on a, on a blog comment. You know, like, and, and instead, I, what we ought to have is humility, understanding that, like, look, I don't know everything, and, and I don't have all the right ideas, so sometimes I just need to shut up and I need to listen. And he needed to hear what somebody else has to say. And taking in the ideas that someone else has, even if I disagree with them, doesn't, if, if I don't correct them, that doesn't necessarily mean that I'm agreeing with them. It just means that, that I'm just going to shut up and listen for a while. And that my perspective is limited, is limited and I need to be informed by other people. But that willingness not to speak also indicates a confidence. 
because I wasn't strong enough in my ideas to allow somebody with a, that I disagreed with to, to speak without correcting them, so, so I had to lash out. When you're confident in your own ideas, you can just say, okay, that person disagrees with me. That person says something that I think is wrong. And you can understand the consequences and, and pick your battles as to whether or not this is worth using your words on. Um, uh, it portrays a confidence that I don't need everyone to pay attention to me all the time. I don't need everyone to be constantly reminded or reminding me how smart I am. That, that's a confidence that comes with not using a lot of words. And, and, and as I get older, I, I, I speak less. I am, and I'm hoping to, uh, I'm hoping to by the, by the, if I live to be as old as my great-grandmother, who lived to be 106, I'll be completely silent for the last five years of my life, and then I'll... But it also, it also indicates trust in God. As followers of Jesus, when we don't feel the need to lash out in anger at every incorrect idea that is broadcast uh, in any sort of way or is put out there online, it indicates that, you know what, God is in control of this world. So somebody puts out a Facebook post or a Twitter uh, or, or, or a tweet that, that, that says something that I completely disagree with, I don't have to fight back against that person because God's in charge. And, and if he really wants to correct this person, then, then he can do so in his own power. But I don't need to invest all of my energy in playing the whack-a-mole of bad ideas, trying to knock down everything. That's not my job. My job is to, is to, to, to follow the Lord as best I can with the people that I care about. And God is in heaven and I'm on earth, so I'm going to let my words be few. We get wise words by most of all, using less words. The third thing that I think is incredibly important is as we use less words to actually live out the words that we say. And this is 1 Corinthians 5, and I find this passage fascinating for a lot of reasons, but but simply for this. So Paul's talking to people who have been talking junk about him as, at, at the, to the church in Corinth. And, and he started the church in Corinth, and then he went away for a while. And when he was gone, people are like, what does Paul know? Paul doesn't know anything. He's kind of dumb. You shouldn't listen to him. And, uh, and this is his response to that. Because some of you become arrogant as if I were not coming to you. But I will come to you very soon if the Lord is willing. And then I will find out not only how these arrogant people are talking, but what power they have. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of talk, but of power. What do you prefer? Shall I come to you with a rod of discipline or shall I come with love or a gentle spirit? And I, and I first of all, I'm imagining Paul in my head because basically he's threatening an entire church full of people being like, I'm coming and you better watch out. And it's like, who are you? Um, how dare you say such things? But I, but I love this sentence, that the kingdom of God is not a matter of talk, but of power. And I think he's talking about miraculous power, like power to raise the dead, power to heal the sick. But I also think that it's an incredibly important thing for us to grasp that, that, that as Paul was describing his ministry, he was saying that the way he lived was congruent and consistent with the words that he said. So there was... And I think that that same thing is true for us. When we talk about the kingdom of God being an issue of power and not of talk, it's not merely about miraculous power, but it's also power to to live out what Jesus has commanded us to do in a way that is consistent with the words that we say. This is one of the biggest problems that we have as a church globally and in North America is that is that 
we there's a disconnect between the way that we talk and the way that we live or a perceived disconnect between the way that we talk and the way that we live that we talk love for our neighbor loving our neighbor as ourselves and then we act scared and hateful and lashing out we talk the reassurance of the power of the lord and that god is sovereign over this whole world and then we act frightened and and discouraged when when some sort of political idea or or thing goes against us we talk about the value of all people we talk about the value of uh the 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 image of god being represented in all humanity but then we live as if the only people who really matter are people who look and talk and act and believe like I do. There's a disconnect between what we say and how we actually live. And Paul is encouraging us to, to make sure that the way that we live is congruent with what we say. And that's where the power of Christ is displayed. It's all well and good for me to stand up here and say, be confident in the will of God in your life. Be confident in your identity and then go and, and, and completely forget that when I, when, I, when I open up my Twitter half an hour later after church and, and feel the need to lash out at everybody. And, and I'm struck by that inconsistency. I'm doing better on Twitter, but I'm struck by that inconsistency in my own life. But the power of God comes not just in to, do, to, to do miraculous acts, but the power of God comes in to simply love our neighbors as ourselves and actually and genuinely live that out on a day-to-day consistent basis and again i'll say this because it's incredibly important the biggest disconnect that the world has with the church and the message that we communicate and the good news that we have is that we do not live our talk that's a relatively easy thing to fix talk less live more live our words and this and and then the last thing that we're going to do to get wise words is we're going to use words for what they are intended. And, and, and in some ways, living your words should come last. Like in terms of like the way that this list is structured, living your words should come last. But um, I, want to, I wanted to put this one last because, because this is the filter through which I want us to put our words and the filter through which I'm going to start trying to put my words to see if I get better at this or not. But, but this is Colossians 3. And I think it's incredibly important. And Paul writes to, to the church at, uh, at Colossae and he says, Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace, and be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. Now this is tough. Because I think we're being asked in this place, specifically in this context, and what I'm asking myself and of you guys as well, is to run our words through these filters. Are my words admonishing? Are my words teaching? Do they demonstrate the peace of Christ that I have inside me? And do they work with thankfulness and gratitude? So often when we're tempted to just throw words out there and we don't think about like, okay, does this word that I'm saying demonstrate the peace of Christ dwelling in me? 
Do I sound like someone who is who is connected and following Almighty God, Creator of heaven and earth, and that and is assured of the fact that my life is is secure now and for eternity, or does it display that I've had my pride irked and I'm annoyed and frustrated, and now I got to lash out because of that? Is the peace of Christ living in the words that I say? And then as we do that, we understand what words are for. Obviously, like, I'm a person who makes jokes, and I want to encourage people with words. But, but our words are intended to teach one another, to correct one another, to admonish one another, to, to use our words to guide one another in the proper ways. And it's okay for us to do that, even when it's unpopular. But, but even when we're correcting someone, are we doing it in a way that demonstrates the peace of Christ? Are we doing it in a way that, that demonstrates the gratitude we have for the God that saves us? And, and, and when I, you know, and, and some of, when you publish that Facebook post, when you, when you have that conversation, when you hit send on that email, are you doing that word in the name of the Lord Jesus? Is that fitting to what God has called you to do? And I want to I be careful with this because I'm not saying that all of our words are going to be popular. They're not. We're called as the people of Jesus to communicate things to this world that are uncomfortable. We believe that we are all sinners, that we are not okay exactly the way that we are. And we need the intervention of God Almighty through Jesus Christ, His Son, in order to be healed and repaired to be who and what God has created to be. The world does not want to hear that message, and that's an unpopular thing to say. But are we ensuring that the stumbling block that people have is the fact that they don't want to come to terms with their own sin rather than your words are arrogant, your words are mean, your words are hateful? Are we careful to make sure that, that, that those things that we say that cause people to be uncomfortable, that, that cause unrest, are causing conviction in people's hearts and not merely the, uh, the, the offspring of our own frustration and anger and insufficiency? Or are we saying the uncomfortable things that we need to say to this world in such a way that demonstrates peace and gratitude? And if... And this is the other thing that I get very concerned about, especially for myself. If my words are not, if my words don't have the scent and the sound of the peace of Christ in them, if my words don't have the sense of the assurance of who God is and what he's done, if my words don't ring out with a gratitude for the, for the work of God and the world in which we live, do I actually feel those things? If there's no peace in my words, is there peace in my heart? If there's no gratitude in my words, is there gratitude in my heart? If there's no comfort in, their wor- in my words, is there comfort in my heart? And that concerns me, and I need to ask if that's real. And I know that, this, this is a bit of an aside, but but there's a lot of concern about like but about about identity politics and different people saying well you're you're allowed to say this word you're not allowed to say that word you know and i want to provide some level of wisdom even as i'm not that wise on some of these things but if someone tells you that a word is hurtful to them just stop saying the word it's not a big deal there are a lot of words to say 
you can stop saying that word. And if somebody wants to use words to assert their power over a situation that, over which they feel like they have no control, that's okay. We serve a God almighty. We don't have to hoard words to ourselves as if, like, well, I get to say this or I don't get to say this. It's not the purpose of our words. The purpose of our words is to bring life and peace and hope. Even as we call people to things that are difficult, even as we say things that make people uncomfortable, we're called to, 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 to peace and love and joy through what Jesus has done. So we use words for what they are. And so we listen to the right words. We use less words because that causes us to be less dangerous. We actually live the, the few words that we say because we can be confident in what God is doing and, and, our, and our lives are consistent with the words that are coming out of our mouths. And then we use words for what they are into, were intended to, to, to teach and correct and instruct and to encourage and to bring hope and peace and joy and to remind each other what is good and what is valuable and what lasts forever. So again... The Bible has a great deal of wisdom to offer about how we use our words. And, and, and again, I just would like to encourage people, think about that this week. As you read your social media feeds, and if you're not on social media, then you're okay. Please do not take it up as a hobby. It's not a good idea. But as you engage in conversations with other people, use this as your own filter, for your, not just for your own words, but as you're hearing the messages of others. Is this coming from a place of peace and comfort and hope, or is it coming from a place of fear? Is this coming from a place of love for God and neighbors? Is this coming from a place of, 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 uh, uh, of dissatisfaction with your own life? And all of a sudden, as we do that, you start to find messages being filtered out that that. that that, that don't belong in your brain. You start to understand and have greater compassion for the speaker of words as you, as you begin to say, okay, you're lashing out at me, um, but that's because you're so desperately afraid that the God that you claim to worship isn't real, that you need to fight with uh, somebody who tells jokes online. And all of a sudden you find yourself being more assured and confident in what God is doing. And that's a possibility for us because our words are going to, and this becomes so important because our words are the methodology by which we communicate the good news of Jesus to other people. And the good news that we have is for sharing. So let's be thinking hard about how we do that. Let's pray together. God, you have given us words as a tool that we use to share the love that you've given us and to, to communicate your love with others, but also we recognize that this is a dangerous tool. That this tool that you have given us, as much as it can build, it can destroy, we can use them to hurt each other and to hurt ourselves. We just ask that, that you give us wisdom to use our words better. Help us to, first of all, hear your words well. Help us to... To, to have the confidence and the trust in you to, to use less words and help us to use words for what they were intended, for your good and for your glory and for, your, for the blessing of the world around us. And we ask this in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen.